Hello and welcome to the Hearts Review with me, Ross McLeod and Gordon Senior. Joining us this week is Calvin to talk about the Scottish Cup final, preview our festive fixtures, and we talk about what we wish for Hearts in 2021. So, what a roller coaster ride that Cup final was! Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, you know, I think uh, I think a roller coaster of emotions is probably the best way to describe it. Um, it's going to take a while, I think, for for us to get over it. Um, you know, I, listen, I've had a lot of emotions following Hearts um, over the years, um, but I have to say it's probably the the lowest in terms of not not you know being angry at them, you know, not being angry at the players or or anything like that. Just you know the 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 sheer dejection for being so close and it being snatched away from you right at the last second. Um, I think uh, that, you know, this has been a difficult year for everybody, as we all know. Um, But, you know, I I think this game almost rolled that year into one, I think, for everyone, and uh, especially of a heart's persuasion. Um, You know, you you, you come back from being 2-0 down, dead and buried almost, uh, the, the the anger and disappointment that that you you take from that first half, and then the elation from the second half comeback, to then being knocked down again with the last kick of the ball uh, of of the first half of extra time, you know you're sitting there thinking, well, you know we've done well the first time we come back, this is probably it, and then again we dig ourselves up and um, and get it back to three three, and then you know you get to penalties, you think. You know, it's meant to be. Um, much has been made about Craig Gordon's role in this cup final. And, you know, you just think your name's on the cup. Um, and and he, he saves it from Christie, you know, one of the most lethal marksmen on the park. Edward's no longer on the park. You're just thinking, this has got to be it. And then to then go and miss those two penalties, um, it just broke me. It, it really did, you know. Um, I'm uh, I'm I'm a pretty proud guy, um, but I, I'm not I'm not scared to admit that, that I broke down in tears. I really did, uh, and that was not because you know we we lost to Celtic or anything like that, or or simply because we lost a cup final. Um, that's because you know what 2020 has meant to not just me, but you know millions of people, and Hearts as a club in general. Um, you know, from from being unfairly relegated um, to you know, and and the the season itself um, to then coming back and and I still not you know we've not been in the ground since March ourselves um, to then you know sit and watch a Scottish Cup final on the telly, not being able to be there but seeing these players. Do something that, that we haven't seen a Hearts team do for a long, long time, and that was putting it all in the park and fighting for the fighting for the club, fighting for the jersey, and and you know and making us proud. And you know you you, you felt for them. Um, you know you just kind of wish that you were you were able to sort of be in the ground with them and being able to show them you know just how appreciated um, it, it was. And um, yeah, got gutted. Gutted, and I think it'll take a, a while. But I'm, I'm also, as the dust is cleared, optimistic, and and 
you know, slightly more excited about the future than than, than I was even maybe a few weeks ago. Um, because what what I I seen there during that game, uh, well for the second half and the extra time anyway, was that we 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 have the makings of a, a top team that can go on and challenge the 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 big sides in in um, the the Premiership. You know we've already beaten Hibs, we've uh, we had beat Rangers on this cup run. Granted it was a different team, but we still, you know there were still a few players in there. Um, that that done the job on that run, and we've you know, in my opinion, we're the better side in a cup final against a team who's just won the last twelve domestic trophies in this country, and um, you know, I think that just shows you just how far we've come in such a short period of time. You know, the club itself already looks more stable, and I think you know, and it's no secret that the fan base has been divided for a very long time. You know, although we didn't win the cup, I feel like. Everything that went on over the weekend there has probably brought this fan base uh, a lot closer, which is uh, which is where it needs to be for the club to move forward. And obviously, there's been a real sense of pride being a Hearts fan over the the past few days. And I know we didn't win the cup, as as Gordon said, Calvin. But you know, we have a we have a team that fought for the club during that final. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things for me in that is like you say that it's almost like reconnecting with the players to a point that like we've heard over the last few years like the fans there's definitely a disconnect between the players and the fans that will in the last last season especially where I personally hated most of the Hearts team and I've not been in that situation before where I, I, I went off walked them walked out on that pitch and you tell half of them want to try and when they sort of stopped playing for Stendhal etc and I was like nah it's, it's not good enough and there was a couple. There was a couple of players that I will exclude from that. Some like Michael Smith, for example, who I felt every time he pulls in a heart shot gives you a hundred percent. And all you want, you can lose a game, but as long as the team goes out and puts in a hundred percent, which to a man they all did on Saturday, uh, Sunday, it, it gives you, it, it does give you pride back in the team. Like we watched Hearts putting some insipid, pathetic performances over the last three seasons, even. But that on Sundays, but it's far removed from that as you could have got. And I just think in terms of winning the Cup, I'm gutted with them winning the Cup for other seasons, but I'm gutted for that group of players on, Saturday, on Sunday that they didn't manage to do it for themselves more than anything. They deserved it. I think every single one of them, a few in particular, Kingsley, Smith again, guys who've been consistent since they came to the Cup, but I feel they really did genuinely deserve it. And like Gordon says, I've, it's probably one of my lowest moments as a Hearts fan, not because I'm not proud of the players, just because yeah, it's, it, it stings. The manner that the, the fight they put up. Had we just lost two 0 based on that first half performance, I'd have been annoyed. But I got over being annoyed because you just went, oh, "We're being by set up for the final." To play the way we did, to come back twice, to put the effort in, to leave everyone on the pitch, and then to get beat on penalties is just the cruelest way to lose anything. And as I said, I just feel sorry for them. I think they deserve they deserve that. They deserve fans on the ground to show them at the end of the game that we appreciated that and I kind of hope that they see it on social media I know it's not quite the same but I hope they do realise that the fans even though they didn't manage to bring the cup back this time do have a, an appreciation for it the, the the game obviously we went 2-0 down you kind of thought to yourselves at half time I mean everyone had written us off even ourselves probably wrote ourselves off to come back in the manner that we did was superb you know we, we obviously lost First goal in the 19th minute from Ryan Christie, superb strike. There's not really much you can do um, with a strike like that, but the, the penalty just um, sort of stunk of, of hearts and big games. But then we came back, Gordon. Yeah, well, I mean, I, 
I think, um, like I said at the start there, you know, it probably was the, the I think roller coaster emotions is maybe the best way to describe the entire 90 minutes and then extra time because I actually had to walk out uh, of the living room and go into the kitchen after we gave away the penalty because I was furious. Um, and I'm, 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 you know, I listen, I, I can be angry and I, I, I've been angry watching Hearts over the years, but I was absolutely furious because everything that we said could happen and could potentially cost Hearts had literally happened in that first 25 minutes or so. I, I heard that I heard from a source that um, you started shouting at your brother, who's sometimes on this show. Yeah, I did. Um, you know, he's he's an advocate of of um, a couple of players that I felt. Um, listen, I, I've been critical enough about about Christoph Berra, um this season, no doubt about that. Um, I've absolutely no clue what he was doing there in, in his six-yard box. No practicing his butterfly, I think, is what he was doing. Um, baffling decision um, to, to do that. Um, because apart from that, you know, if he hadn't done that, I would actually be sitting here and going, actually, I had a fairly solid game. But I think there's reasons for that. I think Celtic, um, you know, I think the fact, especially in the second half, that we actually managed to, um, to win the midfield battle and, you know, we actually kept Celtic quiet. Um, Austin Edward, look, apart from his... Uh, the penalty didn't really look like it could be bothered. Um, Christie was anonymous, apart from his world-class goal, and it was a world-class goal. I've got no complaints about the defending for the for the first goal because I mean to to actually get that bend and beat a, a goalkeeper with the quality of Craig Gordon just you know just shows you how good a goal that was. Um, but the the penalty was criminal. It really was. You know he doesn't have to have his arms up there. You know I think it's a ball into the box that Hart should deal with. Um, they don't. They give away a stupid penalty, and we're two 0 down. And to be honest with you, you know, I think um, you know it's maybe a testament that, that we managed to actually keep it two 0 going at the half time. Because I think if Celtic score a third, it could be a whitewash. Um, but the second half was night and day. And um, you know, I I was convinced that I was watching you know almost the, the same team um, that that we had you know hated, as Calvin says, um, because I think if you know, if I was the Celtic manager, I'd be out there going, listen, go there and go and get a third and that's it. And you can get the cigars that you've won the Scottish Cup. Because at 3-0, it's game over. And, you know, it's almost what Rangers done to us last season. Um, and Celtic have done it as well. Um, you know, the the first five minutes in a, in a second half is probably, the, apart from maybe, you know, the 90th minute and beyond, it's the most vital part of a game. Um, because, you know, if you're winning... One nil, and you you come out and you go all guns because I mean it's it's just a natural reaction that one team will start more sluggish than the other, and if if a team goes out there determined to go and finish the game in the first five minutes of the second half, they can they, they can win the game then. And if Celtic wanted to, if they started with the, the same kind of endeavour that they ended the, the first half way, they they could have finished it. However, it was roles reverse, and it was Hearts who went out there. And obviously, it was drummed into them that they need to go out and get the the, the first goal in the second half, and they did. You know, it was a tremendous bit of skill from A.D. White, who I'd been critical of in the first half as well. You know, he barely got um, got past the halfway line. He was being run ragged, um, constantly being overlapped. But, I mean, t- to take the ball halfway line and flick it over your head like that, that is a tremendous bit of skill from him. But not only that, to take the ball down the line and instead, and, and what a lot of players would do as well, rush your blood to their head, not even look, just stick it in the six-yard box and hope for the best. He doesn't. He cuts it back, and he waits for guys to arrive. 
And then, obviously, we get lucky with the break of the ball to Halliday. It's a beautiful little ball in for Boyce, and it's 2-1. And that quality was missing, and that just totally turns the game on its head. And and it was what Hearts are, what are capable of, and it was why I was so angry, is because we hadn't shown that in that first half. Um, there's guys on the, there's guys in that squad, and I mean it's it's natural, you know, because we, you know, we're we're playing in the championship. You can't expect to have a 25 man squad who are you know mentally capable of playing in cup finals. But there's clearly players in there that don't. Um, and you know another one again. I don't want to keep going on a bit because I feel like I just repeat myself on this show. Uh, but you know Jamie Walker, he was hooked after what 55 minutes, 60 minutes. This was a guy that that you know we spoke about and says that he has the ability to to really change the game for Hearts and be a key man. But again, he was anonymous and um, and that really disappointed me again. But it didn't surprise me. Um, I thought Ollie Lee was fantastic when he came on and replaced him. You know, and and he is probably a man who, you know, was thinking to himself, you know, he missed the last cup final due to injury, and he's probably thinking to himself there, well, and it, you know, it'd actually be easy for Lee to have spat the dummy out because he started virtually nearly every game this season, and yet he finds himself on the bench in the biggest game of the season in the cup final, and it'd be easy for him to turn around and just come on and play a half arse performance and think, well, I'm away in the summer anyway, so I I don't care. Um, but he didn't. He came on with, with a point to prove, and I thought he was fantastic. Um, and I thought him him and Ginelli coming on, um, Ginelli looks like a real player. You know, I just I just hope that we, we were able to get this guy tied down on a long-term deal because, you know, yeah, he was one and one and he, he should score. But I think his, his impact on the game and um, what he was able to do in terms of the, the problems that he caused the Celtic defence just shows you how important it is having a player with a bit of flair and, and a bit of pace and a bit of skill um, because it's clearly something we've lacked for a long time. Um, so I think the, you know, credit to Nielsen because before, you know, we've we've been critical through the years that he's he's not had, um, he, he's not, he's never got his sort of decision-making right, but I thought he's, his subs in this game and, and even back in the semi-final, you know, he, he, when he brought Haran and Naismith on, he got them spot on at the right time and um, and credit to Robbie, you know, because uh, it'd be, you know, a lot of teams would just roll over there and, and they would take either, as Martin O'Neill, I think, was alluding to at halftime, that we should maybe just be happy to, to lose the game 2-0. Um, but instead, you know, we showed fight, passion and, um, and to a man in that second half, they were, you know, they really were heroes. Nielsen did get his subs spot on, Calvin, in that second half, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think the first, like the first half was so poor that I was just sitting there going, "This is just everything I've, everything I was wary of when Nielsen came back." I'm, I've been a big fan of what he's done so far this season. I'm not going to criticise him. I think he's got most things right, but my, the biggest question mark over him from his last time at Hearts was his approach to big games, mainly games against the old front. And that I felt this was just the exact same in the first half. We started off sort of cagey, try to contain the game, maybe try to catch a, a goal on the break here or there. And then going at half time and events make the change they did. The change the subs changed the game. I was at half time crying out for us to make about five make all five subs in one go because I just felt we needed to and he didn't panic fortunately, he kept the players on, made the made the subs at the right times, God says we Lee was fantastic. Ginelli changed the game. The only thing I'm gutted about had was Boyce having to go off. Had Boyce lasted 
in the 90 minutes. I feel, I feel the way we had them on the ropes at that point before he got hurt, I think we maybe would have done it in 90 minutes. I think he was causing them so many problems. He was keeping us so far up the pitch. And that's Celtic defence. I mean, you've seen it with the, you've seen it in the first half when they sort of got mixed up with the goalkeeper and Naismith just poked it wide. And then the way Boyce and Janela were getting on, you just, I, yeah. But that's not Nielsen's fault he got hurt. That's it's nothing to do with that. I think in the way Nielsen fired them up for the second half, it's proved me wrong. It's, it's sort of really, it's sort of calmed the doubts in my mind about Nielsen coming back. Because, like, you know, Nielsen will get do the bread and butter stuff well. Like, I've no doubt under Robbie Nielsen will be regular in the top four in the league. But my big worry was when it comes to the, the games you want to win as fans, the games against Celtic and Rangers. And I just didn't think he'd be capable of that. But after Sunday, I'm a bit more, a bit more relaxed about his tactics and his approach to that. Yeah, I, th- I think I think having, you know, obviously Lee McCulloch and, and Gordon Forrest with him is, is huge. Um, you know, l- like I say, I think last time when, um, when he was manager, you know, he only really had kind of an inexperienced backroom team, and he was an inexperienced manager himself. I think the now, I think the fact now that he's he has been away and he's came back, he's obviously learned new things, and but he's got two guys in there with him that will not be afraid to give him their opinion, but they also see the game differently. Two very experienced coaches, you know, and, uh, and let's be honest with you, Liam McCulloch's a winner, you know. I mean, that's never that's never a bad thing having that on your on your coaching team. And um, and I think you know him him in there, um, you know, almost similar to what I think maybe Gary Locke was like in the 2012 kind of team. You know, he'll he'll get in people's faces and he'll get them inspired. Where I think Nielsen, although I think if he you know if he really needed to, he would he would probably get torn in. But I don't think it's his his personality, his his manner. I think you know, kind of Forrest and, and McCulloch will be the you know the some the sort of ones that get they get the the players kind of fired up. Um, I think you know he'll he he you know Nielsen obviously you'll see the the game from a tactical point of view but the good thing is he's got two guys next to him now who you know if he's maybe thinking to himself because I mean listen maybe the old Nielsen might have you know kept Jamie Walker on for the the ninety minutes um, because he thinks you know he's scored a couple of goals he might he might pull one out of the bag but you know there's McCulloch and Forrest next to him and they're going listen this guy's not doing anything. Let's let's get him off here and get someone on who's actually going to influence the game. Or I could be totally wrong. That might have came from Nielsen himself. Um, and I was like Calvin, you know, I'm sitting there at half time. I was baffled that we didn't make any changes. I, I honestly could not believe it. Um, but again, it just shows you what we know because I mean, credit credit to the um, to them. You know, they get that early goal and suddenly the game has changed and you're thinking to yourself, well, hold on now, you know, um, we've got a real chance here again. Um, like, like I say, I think Hearts won the midfield battle in the second half. Um, Celtic, you know, were, were easily overrunning us in that first half and they were able to dictate play and we were so passive and, you know, any time we did get the ball, we couldn't really sort of string kind of two, three passes together. Um, you know, we had a chance right at the start of the first half. I think it was better. Um, you know, he, he kind of half hit a shot and you thought, oh, well, hold on now, you know, we're going to get chances in this game. But we just went in our shell and Celtic dictated the game, you know, they showed their quality and like I say, you know, they went 1-0 up with a tremendous goal. Um, I've no doubts that the plan was to keep it as nil-nil as long as possible. Um, we said that that's probably the way the way to go and then you can start bringing our subs on. Um, it just so happens that we were 2-0 down, unfortunately, before we could start bringing our subs on. But I think, you know, you know, apart from the Christie goal, 
because um, there's not, I still, I still believe there's not a lot we could have done about that. The penalty was criminal. You know, we were probably lucky to be two 0 down. Um, the good thing is, you know, we we almost took that. You know, uh, we took the bull by the the the, the scuff of the horns and and um, and changed the game completely. And um, and credit and as I say, credit to Robbie Nielsen because I thought his his subs were spot on. And you know, the way Hearts uh, managed to overrun. Uh, Christie and and Brown and uh, and that's why ultimately you know and even Turnbull as well who is uh, a player who's who's got a, a tremendous amount of quality you know I thought he had most of it his own way in that first half he was easily kind of um, you know sort of ch- marked out of the game you know I thought Halliday and and the energy that the that that kind of midfield sort of showing um, was kept these players quiet and even when Tom Rogic came on as well you know. I think he had a shot at goal maybe in the last kind of couple of minutes of the 90. But apart from that, he was ineffective. You know, Edward was nowhere to be seen. And um, I think the fact that, um, you know, the, the credit's got to go to the midfield because, you know, it, it takes a lot to, to keep these guys quiet. And I think that was a huge part to why we were able to turn the game around. Of course, we completed the comeback with, a, with our second goal, Stephen Kingsley scoring. Special mention to him, he, he was the best player on the part. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's why I feel so bad that he missed the penalty because it was for us across the full... I mean, like I said, some of the subs that came on had they been on the full game and played that, that same way, you would say they were... Kings had done it for the full 120 minutes, including setting up a goal as well as scoring one. And I just thought it was excellent. Defensively, it was solid, especially on a wide park like that. Going forward, it was good. It's just the sort of player we've been missing at left-back for a long time. And I'm just... I just hope we sign him up. Similar to what Gordon said about Janelli, I just hope we don't let him slip through our fingers. Like we finally solved a really troubled position for us. And if that's how he's playing against the best team in the country, well, suppose the best team in the country, then imagine the SPL will be not a stroll for him, but it'll it'll be fine at that level as well. So yeah, he was great. I just feel for the guy. I just really feel for him. I think he as you say, man of the match. He was given the BBC's man of the match during the game. So they obviously seen it as well. I mean, stunned they didn't give it to Celtic player, given the fact that in that commentary there was only one team actually playing, apparently. But, um, yeah, it was excellent. And then we done the, the classic um, thing. We took it to extra time. We, we probably should have, you know, we, we did create a lot of chances in that second half. We could have had it finished in the 90, potentially. And then we go and concede um, with a minute to go in the first half of extra time. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think it's your typical kind of, you know, hard luck story, you know, everyone's deflated, you know, because I thought, you know, we could have done better. I, I thought it was a needless corner to give away. Um, anyway, you know, I thought we could have dealt with it a wee bit better. And, you know, I just looked at the clock. I thought last minute, first half, just get rid of this and then we'll see what happens. And, you know, Celtic score. And it had to be Griffiths because I, you know, I, I, I didn't know that we, they could make the amount of substitutes that they could. Um, I thought that, you know, it was three subs, and then they were allowed like maybe one extra time. Yeah, I, I I found that interesting as well. I mean, I think Celtic ended up making six subs during that game. That, that that's more than half the team. Aye, did they make they, the, how did how did that happen? For five yeah, well, rules. Yeah, they're allowed to do it. Yeah, so five 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 subs and then one an extra time or some some nonsense yeah. like that. But when I seen Griffiths came on, I thought, oh no, you know, just because you know Lee Griffiths against Hearts. You know, he was there at 5-1. And, he, you know, the guy mentioned it in his bloody, you know, 
post-match press conference, he's probably thinking he's licking his lips. He's thinking to himself, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've got a chance here. I mean, listen, it will never, ever, um, you know, write that wrong for him, of course, uh, unless he like signed for Hibs and then they beat us five-one in the final or something. But that's, you know, that's never going to happen. So, but but the thing is with Griffiths, you know, for him personally, this is a chance. Then kind of, so he just knew, you know, that he was going to come on, he was going to have a say, and um, and I thought it was the only time that he actually really kind of um, managed to 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 actually get away from a Hearts defender, um, and and obviously he puts in an end. You think, you know, great, there we go. But again, credit to Hearts because you know, it was extra time was it was a slugfest that was you know. It wasn't open, you know, it was two teams who, you know, had clearly given a lot throughout the game, but were clearly knew that each other had a tremendous amount of um, power and they could punish each other if they, they switched off. And thankfully for us, Celtic did in that second um, that second half of extra time, you know, they'll be disappointed with the free kick they gave away, but credit to Elliot Freer for winning it, um, because I, but I thought it was sloppy, you know, from, from their point of view. Um, and but you know, and then you thought when you were watching it, he says, "Right, get a good delivery in here," and they do. And credit to Ginelli, by the way, because you know, to not well, not just him, but I think it's, it's Kingsley that keeps it alive, headers it across the face of goal, and Ginelli manages to get in, and he shows, a, you know, when everybody else switched off, and it'd be easy for him just to ball watch as well. He showed a great determination to get in there and and poke it home, and um, you know, that's the moment where you think, "Right, come on." You know, we've you you know let's let's see this out and you know because I don't think you know that I don't even think they they would either. Um, I think both teams at that point were like right, it's penalties now because I think you know if either of them had opened up, you know I think there definitely could have been another goal again. But I just mm-hmm. think you know none of them didn't really want to do that because of the attacking threats they both had in the park. Um, so yeah, it was a fascinating game. It was a fascinating encounter. And um, unfortunately, it was decided by uh, by a shootout, and we just fell short in the end. But um, you know, I think overall, we've you know that second half and extra time, we've got to be delayed. Just on what Calvin was saying about Kingsley, though, you know, and 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 those positions, uh, for for me, you know, and why I'm probably certainly now the dust has settled, more optimistic about the the football club as a whole. We have a sporting director in place now. You know, his job ultimately will be to to arrange deals for Kingsley and Ginelli, uh, get them done quickly, get them down on long-term deals, get somebody like Peter Haddon on a longer-term deal, um, give the guys who... Because, I mean, I don't think you need to do too much to this team. Um, you know, it's clearly that they, they've... You know, it's not like the first championship season where you maybe want more, add to more experience and things like that. You know, I think this time now... You know, we've got to get away from that old transfer policy of signing nine, ten players every transfer window. That's not required. And Nielsen's already spoke about it. He spoke about it in his transfer when, um, when he was talking about um, appointing the, the new sporting director. He actually said um, it's going to be a huge summer for us. He's already looking towards that summer. But I think the important thing for us is we add quality over quantity. And, you know, if you get that team um, signed up on a long-term deal, I think you're only really looking at maybe three, at the most, four players. Um, another centre-half, absolutely. Yes, John Souter's got to come back, but there's no guarantee that he will come back. Um, if you can find somebody who could be a, a real long-term partner for Halkett, and then you add maybe another win- a winger similar to Ginelli, um, I know it's very difficult to find. And then if you can get a, a striker who 
one is going to challenge um, Boyce for his place, but also someone who can come in and, and change games and, and, you know, if you need to change formation, someone up there who is, you know, will equally get as many goals as Liam Boyce will, you know. Liam Boyce is firing back at the critics now, you know, that, there's another big goal in a big game and, you know, you knew once he got a couple of goals he would go on a, a run. I just hope that the injury that he picked up isn't a long-term one uh, and hopefully he's back and, and he can get himself, you know, um, more goals towards the end of the season and then having a fully fit Boyce next season um, confident and in the mood alongside somebody that he can either play off of or someone who is going to come in and, and be able to do just an effective job. You know, that's why you kind of, you know, I was disappointed that, you know, we didn't, we weren't able to keep like Connor Washington because I think he could have had a similar impact, you know, a guy who could play different positions, but at the same time, you know, when he got a few goals, would chip in with more than enough. Um, I think Hearts need another type, type of striker like that. And I think, you know, and Nielsen's alluded to, you know, they've kept the number nine free for a reason. Um, so I think if you if you add quality to to that squad, I've absolutely no doubt that we would would be up there top three. One one thing obviously that game was missing was the support, and you know that three three draw with supporters there, all going absolutely nuts at every goal would have been a fantastic advert for Scottish football, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean I think that as much as we're still reeling right now and we're on the wrong end of it, I think that probably has to go down as one of the best. Scottish Cup finals because um, forever it was drama brilliant goals some excellent bits of skill um, end to end I mean that sec- the, the extra time was brilliant as well for nobody to be in there to witness it it just feels brutal <laughs> like it, you just wish you were there I mean the long drive back from Glasgow after that would have been horrendous but yeah yeah definitely for nobody to be there to witness a game like that it's just it just feel you still feel a bit detached from it. Like I know Gordon, you were saying after the game you were distraught, and I was as well. But I still felt after the game it's not it, it's not the same. But I just turn the channel over. Like you know, you're, you're sitting there after watching that, and normally you'd be hand and surrounded by all your pals. You'd get on a bus back, go to the pub together, and just get absolutely steaming and drown your sorrows or celebrate if we'd been fortunate to win it. But then just to be able to sit there and in a fit of rage, just change the channel. It just feels a bit. It just it feels detached. It just feels like it didn't really happen, if that makes sense. You get what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I totally, totally understand that. Absolutely. I think for me, you know, in terms of the players on the park, though, I don't think the game would have been any different if fans were there because I think it's maybe the first game that I've actually watched without fans. And it's been a game that, you know, it, it didn't matter. You know, people were, there was just two teams who were determined to win the game. And, you know, and it was a really kind of... And I actually thought, that, to be fair, I thought say, uh, the the Derby semi was a bit like that as well. You know, it was two teams who, um, you know, they weren't... Re- you know, a lot of games you can watch, are, you know, it almost feels like a training game. That wasn't like that. You know, you still see no. nasty tackles going in that you expect in a heart Celtic game. Uh, there was that, you know, the, there was just two teams that were willing us to win. Um, and you've seen that right through the park. And I thought that was, that was refreshing to see. And I think for neutral, you know, I mean, you, you would have loved sitting watching that. You really would have, you know. Um, but when it's your own team, it's absolutely, you know, it's torture, isn't it? Um, yeah. And I agree with you completely, you know, it, it, it does take a spin off. And it almost makes me think, well, it hurts now. But at the same time, if, you know, you turn around and say to us, well, Okay, you'll experience this now, but say next May, you know, you'll 
you'll get back to the final, you'll win it, and you'll get to be there, you would turn around and say, right, okay, I'll take that. Um, now, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but, you know, it, it could. And, um, and you know, the, the reason why we, we follow hearts up and down the country, um, apart from the obvious, because, you know, we're, we're crazy, um, and, uh, and, and, and we obviously love the football club through the good times and the bad, but you, you, you go through, you know, you travel up and down the country constantly spending thousands and thousands of pounds on them every year. Um, so that when these days come along, cup finals, you know, listen, you know, obviously there's fans who don't go to all the games, not, you know, some of them just choose not to, some can't because of work commitment. So when a big cup final comes along, naturally they'll all go, um, which is fine. You know, I've never had a problem with that. But I always feel like for us who constantly go, and let's be honest with you, there's maybe about, I don't know, 2,000 or something that could probably say that, that they go every single week um, or or most weeks up and down the country, you know, whether it be at Tyne Castle and then away from home. Um, there's only a small number of the heart support that can actually say that, that they do that um, constantly. Because it is, it's the same faces that you see, even though that, you know, you don't know some of these people personally, but when you go in a away game, you, you see the same faces. Um, and I think for people like who who do that, and I'm you know, and I'm not having a go at anybody else, but I think that feeling when a cup final comes along, you win it, it's that little bit more special because you know you've stood in the in the pitching rain away from home in Motherwell or something like that, and watched you know us get gubbed. You know, you've went all the way up to Inverness on in Ross County, and you've seen you either miss a last minute penalty or concede an overhead kick to a a player manager. You know, you, you go you go through the ringer watching Hearts and um, and you see, every, you know, and they really do give you every single emotion imaginable. Um, what it's anger, granted, but a lot of it is uh, you do you do get the good days as well. But when the cup final comes along, like the 5-1, and, and they give you that, you know, it's special and, and it, it makes it all worth it. And, you know, when they get beat, you're angry the whole weekend and maybe a bit on the Monday, but you're already linked towards the next game and then when the next game comes along but you know but like cup finals and things like that and when you win games and and big cup finals you know you just you know the, you still talk about them from years to come you know we'll be talking about the 5-1 for example and hopefully you know during our lives we'll have more than just the 5-1 to talk about but we'll be talking about that day in May you know uh, until we're dead you know but on, on our dying dying days let's be honest with you so um and that's that's ultimately what it's all about you know and I'm not, and the thing is, you know, we're we kind of the Celtic fans and stuff, and it's a tremendous achievement for any football club to win the amount of trophies that they have and credit to them. But, you know, would, would it have been a similar celebration at Parkhead than it would have been in Gorgie if we had won the cup final? Not a chance. It's two two things on that, Gordon. It's nice to see that uh, Craig Brewster is, is still living rent free in your head. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. You're right in what you say, though, Gordon. I mean, if you were to win the if you were to win the cup now, you wouldn't be able to celebrate properly. It's more the again I said it last week. It's the people you go with at these sort of games that that really make it. And well, obviously, I would far rather we won the cup final than lost. If you offer me the, the chance to lose this one and win it next May or even the year after, and we can all be there and you can all go back to Tyne Castle because we're sitting there talking about it's like if we do win it, do we do we go to Gorgi? I know the club said you're not supposed to and wouldn't it really be a celebration? You'd probably just get there and get told to leave. You'd no, you wouldn't get the same thing. It's a 
cold night in the middle of December when you're not tempted to leave the house to what would normally be a, a glorious sunny day in May with $10,000 Hearts fans partying on the streets. I, got, I still remember back in 2012, we, I've still never seen Hearts actually managed to bring the cup back to Tynecastle because I'm always somehow an hour and a half, two hours behind the bus. But <laughs> 2012, we got back and it was just mental. Like we, we had to jump off the bus and uh, walk like Chester and walk on because it was just that busy. We just And you just bump into people you've noticed since school, just getting drunk in the streets with them, having a great time. And that for me is what winning the cup's about more than the actual trophy. It's the days that follow it. Like, I think back to 2012, just it was like three or four days of just being constantly on it. The weather was cracking. I was like 20 years old, 19 years old. It was brilliant. It was an absolutely brilliant time of life. And this one wouldn't have had that. It would have been nice. It would have been a great thing to do. Like the Hibs game is probably my favourite moment of the last nine months. Like, not, not much else has really went on. But, yeah, it's, it would have missed that. And I think I would have always looked back on this cup run had we won it. And I'm still going to look back on it and just be a bit gutted that we weren't there. Because to, to beat Rangers, Hibs, and then if we had beaten Celtic in the final, to have only managed to make it to one of those games, would feel a bit, it would feel a bit hollow in a way. You think back to the elation of that Rangers game at Tynecastle. Like, that weekend in general, you know, we, we obviously beat Rangers and then we go and beat Hibs Easter 3 1. And, uh, you know, considering the fact that I think we had, we only seen something like four league wins that season, to then get two big wins like that in the space of, you know, three, four days or whatever it was, uh, you almost thought to yourself, that, you know, this, this is what it's all about. You know, these are why you do it. Um, and then, you know, they give us St. Mirren Park the next game week. Um, so I mean that again. That's just hearts, isn't it? You know the ups and downs, and um, listen. You know they can. It's painful sometimes, but I wouldn't change it for the world. And I just, uh, I can't wait to get back. I, I really can't. Um, and I just hope it's uh, it's sooner rather than later. And I hope you know um, for these players, you know when we do win the championship, because we will win the championship. You know, there's there's no doubt about that. Um, when we do, I hope that they get to lift the trophy in front of some fans. Looking ahead, then after the cup and and towards the championship fixtures that are coming and and over the festive period, then we've got three. I was going to say big games, but nothing's bigger than the Scottish Cup final. But three big games in, in a sense to get us to where we want to be. Air our broth and Dundee. Not played air yet. Yeah, I mean they're probably thinking they'll be looking at us and going, "Hearts will be hunting." Can maybe go there and inflict salt on the wounds. I'd kind of like to hope the Hearts players will be hurting and are going to go out and hopefully try and steamroll it. It'll no make up for not winning the cup on Sunday, obviously, but it's a very quick way to get out of your system if they fall that up. Because normally, it's probably the one plus side of having a cup final in the middle of the season is normally when you lose the cup final, you sit and stew on it for three months, desperate for the next game of football happen, whereas this time we've only got to wait six days. I think at the weekend, they're not paying too much attention to it, but the results seem to have fairly go away. I mean, if we do win, win our game in hand, we can go six points clear at the top at least. I feel these three games coming up, I think this could effectively be, if we were to win these three games, given the, the tight fixture schedule, the fact we've got a bigger squad than most, and now Dunfermline do seem to be faltering a bit, I feel this could be where we really just sort of not, not win the league, but we could do a lot of damage in this this week and a bit period. Yeah, I, th- I think the fact that the air game's coming for Tincastle as well, you know, I think uh, probably suits us. Uh, you know, that we've got two um, 
two sides that I think if we were to play, if we were looking at this fixture list and, you know, it was two games away from home against um, Air and Arbroath, you'd maybe be thinking, mm, it could be tricky. Um, but I think the fact that we're both at home, um, I think, you know, gives us a really good chance to lay down a marker. And, um, you know, I really hope that we, we see a similar performance like we did against Queen of the South. Um, and, you know, and, and Hearts can get a few more goals and lay down a real marker and then do the same to Arbroath the following week. Um, and that sets us up nicely for going to Dens. And, you know, they are, um, you know, they, they're a shambles at the moment, Dundee. Um, naturally, they'll they'll be wanting to try and, you know, put the 6-2 right to an extent. But I still think, you know, we should go up there and, and be looking to, to win that game. No, no problem at New Year. Um, you know, they were 3-0 up against Dunfermline and they threw that away with something like 15 minutes to go. Um, so I think it just shows you the issues they have. Um, and I think that Hearts team should be looking at that one and, and scoring an R6 goals against them, to be honest with you. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't put it against Hearts. So, um, you know, and Air United were, were one of the other clubs as well that were uh, very vocal during the summer. Um, so, you know, let's go there and, and, um, and beat them, hopefully at Tynecastle. Uh, at the weekend by, by a good number you know I'm sure they'll come and they'll maybe try and make it difficult for us but you know if we play even 75% um, with the same amount of determination and um, and skill and um, and you know kind of prowess that we did in that second half on the Scottish Cup final you know we'll be far too strong for air What's going to be our most difficult game out of these three then? Probably our, probably our broth, I think, um, with the great... I mean, you know, it's difficult to say because we've not really played there yet, but I would still I would still expect us to, to beat them. Um, I think our broth will probably, you know, Dick Campbell, um, a very shrewd manager, I think he'll come there with a plan. He'll probably seen, you know, some of the other kind of games at Tynecastle, you know, what to do and what not to do. Uh, you know, because you can't go there and attack Hearts because, you know, Dundee and um, maybe to a lesser extent, um, well, Queen of South didn't really try to attack us. They just weren't good enough. But um, Dundee certainly, you know, went there and were very open and, you know, they got destroyed. And I think, um, I don't think Air will do that. Well, I mean, if Air do do that, I think we'll, we'll easily beat them. I think our both are more likely to maybe sit in and, and make it difficult like they did. At Gayfield, but um, I think Hearts should have too much for them. Um, you know, I mean, it's a it's a tight fixture fixture list. Um, so I would imagine there'll probably maybe be a wee bit of rotation in the squad. Um, you know, maybe some of the kind of the guys who are were on the fringes a little bit. You know, I think Haran will probably get more game time. You'd imagine they'll step up his game time. Um, you know, you'll maybe see Popescu come back into the squad. You would imagine Roberts and Freer will probably have more game time. And you may see, maybe, you know, depending on Boyce's injury, you may see um, maybe Henderson coming to the, you know, I'm not saying he's going to start or anything like that, but he might come on, you know, maybe for Whiting or something like that. And you would imagine Nasey will maybe get a wee rest. And so I think that there will be a bit of rotation. Um, what game he chooses that to be, uh, I'm not sure. It'll probably be the, maybe they are both game actually. But, um, but uh, but you'd imagine, you know, it's, uh, listen, anything less than nine points is disappointing. Um, so for me, I, I agree with Calvin, you know, if they go there and they get nine convincing points, then, 
you know, and the way the league is at the moment, you know, teams take points off each other constantly, which we, we knew would happen. You know, you knew that would happen as much as Dunfermline have started the league well. They then lost at home to, and it's all right, you know, winning the big game against Hearts, but, um, and they deserve to win that game that night. You know, we, we've got no complaints, but um, it's all right doing that. But if you can't, you know, raise your game and, and beat, you know, like Morton at home, and and then you know you're you're drawing a couple of other games after that, then you're not going to win titles. Simple as that. You know where Hearts, for example, since the Dunfermline defeat, have responded pretty emphatically, and um, and I think they'll continue to do that. Calvin, is is the onus on Dundee to get a big result against Hearts? You know, given that they're obviously going to try and mount a title challenge this season. Uh, well, you'd like to think from their point of view they would they would want to try and get a bit of revenge for that absolute battering at the start of the season in terms of done the title challenge I mean relegation battle merely I think yeah. that's <laughs> I think they more need to pay attention to what's going on below them than what's going on up above them for the moment in terms of what you were asking Gordon there about the hardest game you would probably have said at the start of the season looking at the fixtures you would have said I done the away 2nd of January that's probably going to be our hardest game of the season but they are an absolute shambles from what you can see I mean 3-0, 3-0 up at home at Dunfermline with 15 minutes to go to no win that I mean I know Dunfermline won the better side in the league but you're no challenge of the league when you do things like that and yeah they just don't they just don't seem very good I mean we beat them 6-2 but we never really got out of first gear um, at the time I think our growth would probably be the hardest game because like you say it's, it comes in the middle of those three the the rate of games we have we are going to have to rotate players you would probably try to rotate them in the middle of that our growth are a bit more they seem a bit more street smart than our teams they seem more likely to come and try and frustrate us now if we can do it with an aloe and get three goals in the first 25 minutes then I not a problem um, but if we don't score early against our growth I feel that probably the more likely the three to make it difficult for us I feel Dundee might just fly into the traps to try and get a goal and we can hope we just pick them off because they, I mean, they must have hurt them. They spent all summer getting pelters of Hearts fans, and you're thinking they might turn up a time cast, and we go one off inside two minutes, and then absolutely demolish them. So I'd imagine from a from a Dundee player's point of view, you'd be hurting a bit after that, and then Hearts mocking them on social media afterwards, it kind of gives them a bit of an edge. But they're just not a very good football team. Yeah, I mean, listen, they they, they could they could get dragged into the playoffs. You never know. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you know, they could go on a run, they could find themselves in the playoffs at the top end. You know, it's a, it's an extremely tight league. But I think, um, you know, the problem Dundee have is they're just, they're, they're conceding too many goals at this level. Um, you know, I mean, you, you look through their games and there's no, you know, maybe there's like maybe one or two clean sheets. But I just think, you know, we, we all know a lot about the players that they have because they're players that were nowhere near good enough to, not just play for Hearts, but just play the level that 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 we were at, and um, and they look so far away from promotion that they look more like relegation candidates. And you know, clearly, there's issues at that club. I'm sure it'll all play out next year. Looking ahead to next year, what 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 are your wishes for Hearts going into the the new year? This is obviously our last show this year, so I'm going to take a wee break. What are your hopes for 2021? Um, well, to get back to the Premiership, uh, naturally, um, but to, you know, to start well, um, you know, we're not just going back up to finishing the top six. We don't buy season tickets to um, to hope that Hearts are going to finish in the top six. 
you know, we 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 buy our season tickets and demand that Hearts are challenging to get into the top three. Um, and I think that's where the club needs to get back. You know, it needs a, a few years of consistently being up at the top end of the table to get themselves back that feeling. Um, and I think definitely the players, you know, we've, we've got the opportunity to do that. I think the important thing for us now is the structure seems to be in place. Um, you know, we have the sporting director now. You know, we have a, a manager who knows the club, who knows the league, um, who probably feels like he's got, you know, his best ever team at his disposal. You know, he'll still have a reasonably good transfer budget now. Um, and the important thing is for him is to try and go and, you know, build this squad that, and as Calvin said earlier in the show, you know, he he's a man who will, will get the bread and butter right. Therefore, I think Hearts will, will constantly be in the top end of the table. But the important thing for him now, compared to his last um, spell at Hearts manager, which probably cost him um, a lot of trust with the fans, was his record in the big games. And... Um, Listen, he's already beaten Hibs, um, and he, you know he came mightily close to winning the Scottish Cup. Um, you know, if he can, if he can keep that the squad, which I've no doubts that they will um, keep together. It's not like previous times, you know, when a team, when a Hearts team seems to get the Cup final, it's decimated the following summer because well, we're we're skint and we can't keep them together. You know, you feel like this isn't an end of a cycle; it's just the start of a cycle. Um, and I think that's that's the mentality we've got to have. You know, we've got to get the, the, the club kind of... And the thing is as well, you know, it's a tough time for for the world and it's going to be a, a while, I think, before things maybe, especially, you know, in football in Scotland, you know, a lot of clubs have taken a hit and maybe clubs even in the Premier League as well and the Premiership won't be financially stable as they were 18 months ago. You know, I think it's a good opportunity for Hearts who, let's be honest, we do have um, funds yeah, listen, we've took a, a big, big hit, but we're still in a, a, a pretty strong position where I think, you know, we can maybe sort of cherry-pick players. And I think that's where our, our transfer, you know, kind of uh, needs to lie. You know, our transfer business needs to lie as, as players who can come up and do a job in this league. Um, but adding little bits of magic from players who, you know, um, you know, like your generalities, like find the wee gems here and there and, and add them into the, into the team. But I think primarily, you know, like, for example, you know, I, I, I would, my number one transfer target, and I don't think we'll get him now because I think he's destined to, to go down south and play for a big club, but would have been, the, you know, Declan Gallagher. Because I think, you know, if you partnered him with Halkett, you've got a tremendous back back four there, or a solid back four, um, you know, of him, Halkett, Smith and Kingsley. And then you've got Craig Gordon, you know, I mean, that, that for me would be a, as good a back four as, as any and probably the best back four we've had since, you know, Presley, Webster, Fisas and Nielsen. Um, and I think, you know, if, if Hearts are able to find a similar centre half to, to slot in there, um, then they've, you know, they've got a really good base to build from. And I think it's it's identifying, you know, players who's going to come in and will be able to, you know, slot into that team um, seamlessly, will make it better aren't just signed for the sake of, you know, like Levine's transfer policy seem to be just for the sake of signing a player. Um, you know, we're actually signing players who's going to come in, who's going to improve the team, who ultimately will, will give the guys around them a lift and make them, you know, up their game because they'll have to if they want to stay in the team. Um, so I think that's where Hearts have got to go as a football club. Aberdeen have been pretty good at doing that. Um, you know, Derek McInnes, I think it's something that he kind of, done, although you could still question some of his signings, naturally, but 
uh, you know, you, you look at the signings that Aberdeen kind of made and uh, have made um, over the last few years, you know, I mean, getting people in um, like Dylan McGeoch and things like that, you know, it's not worked out for him because he's, he's had a few injury problems, but ident- identifying kind of players who have been up here and who have done it, who can actually come in and, and improve your squad. Um, I think that's where Hearts have got to get. Um, and if they can get themselves a solid 11 and then add quality here and there, um, and because I mean, listen, they'll always spend good money. I think under Budge, you know, I mean, I don't think we can question Budge uh, not putting her hand in her pocket and and you know and actually backing the manager because she's done that. She's just been let down by her managers, but at the same time, she's also got to blame herself for giving them the amount of time that she did. Um, I think now where she's now got people on the board, she's got a sporting director now um, that will hopefully be able to advise her, you know, a lot better now. Um, she's got a chief executive in there as well. So I, th- I feel like, you know, there's there's a more stable structure at the club and going forward, get ourselves back up to the premiership and um, and really just, you know, grab it by the horns and let's see where it takes us because Hearts, for me, the ambition has always been to get hearts, uh, you know, and this is why I think, you know, Anne Budge wanted to build the new main stand. She wanted to redevelop Tynecastles because she has these dreams of hosting these big Euro- Europa League nights under the lights. And, and you know, Billy Miller scoffed at the idea when Austin Mc- McPhee suggested that last season that hearts should be a Europa League club. Well, I think hearts should be a Europa League club, but you've got to put the foundations in place for, and you've got to build towards that. And that might have been the ambition from the start, but clearly we got it wrong. Hopefully, we've now learned from those mistakes and football can change very quickly. And hopefully, um, by this time next year, you know, we're at the top end of the Premiership and we're we're looking, you know, and you never know, we might have had a wee Scottish Cup win in there. Who knows? Um, but hopefully, by this time next year, we're in a more stable position and we're thinking, yeah, you know, 2022 can be our year and we can really, really kick on. 2021 has been a fantastic build build for us, you know, we're now at a level where we can really go forward now and achieve what we uh, what this club's capable of achieving Building on that, I'd say in a purely short term view for me, it's got to be getting certain players tied up on, on deals, I mean Janelle is a free agent in the summer so we can, I think from the 1st of January we should be going if we're not, we should be having conversations with him and his agent already, I think 1st of January if we can turn and go, right, we've signed Janelle up I think Kingsley's in the same boat. Like, no, sorry, Kingsley's only on a year. We can extend that now. I think if we could get Kingsley, Smith and Ginelli signed up ASAP, it means we go into the summer, as Gordon said, only needing to make three or four quality signings rather than rebuilding a squad every six months. Like we've had to, and that's just that's what's landed us in so much bother. It's constantly rebuilding every single six months. And now we've got Nielsen back, who I think would be happy to stay at Hearts for a long quite a long period unless a really big job comes on. I don't see him leaving for anybody in particular. So we could, assuming this new sporting director is okay, we could start to build towards something really good. It does feel like, as Gordon's already said, we're not at the end of, of a team like 2012. That team, by by the fall in January, there was a handful of players left from that cup inside. By the time we got to the League Cup final, there was about three players left that started, started the Scottish Cup final. If that, this time, I don't see... I think there's players we obviously want to try and move on in the summer or hopefully move on some in January. But I don't really see... I don't see players getting picked. Haring would be the only one that I would see somebody 
coming in for, or Smith, sorry, Smith obviously as well, but if we can tie him on a longer deal, you've got Gordon there. He, you've still got, aside from him getting injured, you've still got a couple of years like Craig Gordon sign a new centre-half, ideally in January, give him a six months to bed in, win the championship, come back up, and we're, it's, it's actually looking quite good for the first time in a few seasons. I, I don't know how to react to all this. These are very positive for once. This is good. I like this. I probably most positive felt about Hearts for a while, which is really bizarre in the back of a cup final defeat, but I just think what that team showed on Saturday, I mean, bear in mind, we came, off the back, we came in the cup final off the back of a 6-0 win as well. Does finally feel like things are because we played two we played two premiership teams this season two top four premiership sides we've knocked one of them out and we've taken the other one the nine in a row quadruple treble champions to the last penalty penalty shootout so we're not what we proved on Sunday is we're not a championship side what everyone's been saying is Hearts are a premiership side stuck in the championship and there's been times where that hasn't looked the case but after Sunday it feels like after the last few weeks, anyway, it definitely feels like that's the case. Like we we are still a Premier League football club. That was yeah, it, it, it almost kind of you know I think the players maybe bought into the whole thing where people kept saying you know, oh this is a Premiership squad in the Championship and maybe I think they started kind of you know almost just listening to to what other people were saying too often and you know and they almost lost focus a little bit you know and I think in terms of their performances you know they almost thought well, you know, we shouldn't even be here. We should be battling these teams. But I think there's been a realisation that actually it doesn't work that way. And I think they've they've definitely had to boot up the arse. And, you know, we, we, we've seen it now that they're, they're certainly a lot kind of more focused and, and they're doing their job. And then you've seen there as well that they can um, they can turn it on when they need to. Um, but at the same time, you know, there, there's obviously problems that, that can still be fixed um, the first half. You know, clearly showed that uh, we can we are vulnerable at times, but um, at the same time, I think uh, you know we showed that we've we've got a squad now who have on their day can take anybody on in this division, and um, you know, let's hope that uh, going forward we we take that in every game. You know, we're fearless, and um, you know we're always competitive uh, because you know there are many times. Over the last 18 months, you know, we've heard how this is the best squad I've ever assembled from previous managers. And, yeah, we've still went along the M8 and been battered 4-5-0. and um, Where at least this time, you know, we've went to Glasgow, we've took on Celtic, we've scored three goals against them. Um, you know, I, I'd like to think that, we'll, you know, we can go to places like Parkhead and Ibrox and, you know, we can we can get three points. Uh, I'm not saying that's going to happen every time because that's just unrealistic, but there's times where, you know, you, you, you go into these games and you feel we've got a chance. Well, that's the end of the show. Thank you both very much for being a part of it. Hope you all have a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, and we'll see you the first week of 2021. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>